I want to start by, by reading something. This is a, actually a part of a, a, I don't know what, maybe an editorial maybe or a letter from Pastor Robert Jeffries. Um, he is a pastor out of, of Dallas, and um, a lot of his article, honestly, is, is very centered towards conservative Christian values and along those lines, candidates. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of that out. I'm going to try to take the politics out of this and read a portion of his letter, and this, this, this article is called how should Christians respond? Okay. So again, this is just something I want to share for your considerations. Human governments and rulers change at God's direction and design. Our faith and our salvation lie not in any human ruler, but in the ruler of rulers, the king of kings. We have to remember that even though the occupant of the White House is changing, the one who occupies the throne of heaven has not changed. The fact that God has established authorities means that by obeying the government, we obey God. The Apostle Paul told us, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those that exist that have been instituted by God. That's Romans 13.1. Paul also told us to pray for all people, for kings and all those who are in high positions, 1 Timothy 2.1-2. 2, 2. Now he goes on, he says, now it's always easier to submit and to pray for someone when he was our preferred candidate. But the rubber really meets the road when the person who takes office is not the one we supported. Paul didn't give us any wiggle room. His command applies all the same, whether the emperor was the faith-friendly Constantine or the evil emperor Nero. Here is our chance to show that Christians are not hypocrites. We serve a God who remains on his throne, sovereignly reigning over every square inch of this vast universe. We serve a God who loves us and will never leave or forsake us. And now we have the chance to show the consistency and constancy of our Christian witness to the world. When Joe Biden becomes president, we should commend him for the things he does right. We should condemn the things that he does wrong. And above all, we must pray fervently for our president. If President Biden succeeds, we all succeed. May God bless Joe Biden and may God bless the United States of America. Well said. Dr. Robert Jeffries is a pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas. I need to give, give him credit for that because that is uh, those were his words, not mine. Something to think about. We are really tested. It's easy, like he says, to support the things we're excited about. But it's a test, and it's a kind of a part of this um, responsive reading. You know, Jesus laid the foundation. We are builders on that foundation, and what we build on that foundation will get tested. And I concluded by, by adding, you know, that, that what we lay is pleasing to God and withholds any torment from the outside, any testing from God himself. God does test us. He doesn't tempt us. That's not the way he works. He doesn't want us to fail. You know, so there's some, some pushback on, on that phrasing in the Lord's Prayer. It says, lead us not into temptation because, you know, some churches don't want people to think that God would ever lead us into temptation. No, he's saying protect us from temptation. He may test you. And we get tested in times of uncertainty. Those are easy to feel the test. But we also get tested, as scripture says, in times of, of abundance. How did you respond when you got that blessing? Where did you give the glory? When you had that windfall, what did you do with it? You know? Anyway, this morning we're going to be talking about the start of something. And although I'm not going to focus on change per se, by definition, change is the start of something different. And one might think I was inspired by the results of the election, but I have been preparing this message for a while, long before the election was final, which isn't saying much. 
The truth is that we resist change a little, don't we? Not necessarily because of, of what comes next, but rather it's the element of uncertainty that causes our discomfort. The status quo has an element of comfort associated with what was known. You're in for a pastor story. I have a 2001 Chevy Silverado. You've seen it. It's sat unrunning, unstopping in the driveway for a while. It's been around. It is, it is, it is, I don't know if you remember this, but they had the version of the truck, the WT, the work truck. Before there was an LLS, LT, LTZ, there was the WT, the work truck. Okay. So this thing with over 200,000 miles on it, I, somehow I got on a mailing list from Chevy and this drives her nuts. I'll get a hat. Congratulations on hitting 200,000 miles or coasters and all this stuff. Really? I don't, it, it's kind of cool. I like free stuff, but but anyway, this truck has absolutely no option. There's not a stitch of carpet in it. It's all vinyl, which is great for the lake. You just hose it out, get the gravel out. Um, I have to crank the window down by hand. Um, and I'm not sure my kids even know what that is. You know, like, what is that for? How do you, where's the button? You know, you have to crank it down and it's never smooth. And, and it has no power locks. So, so the passenger, my pastor, my beautiful pastor, gets a gentleman's treatment when I think about it. You know, who says chivalry isn't dead? Or more often than not, what do I do? Throw the keys across the top of the car. <laughs> Let yourself and give me my keys back. It's the only one I have. Um, and my favorite feature, it has a cassette player. Okay. And, and, and fortunately for me, but to the chagrin of my amazing wife, I have a box of cassettes. I knew exactly where they were in the basement. So I've been able to listen to things, not from the century, of course, but I still have been able to listen to these, these things and then flip it over, which has been fun. But we use this truck for exactly what you think we would use this for. And I have yet to shed a tear or, or a scratch in the bed or a little ding in the, in the tailgate. Depending on the day, various lights on the dash come on. ABS here, service engine here. It, I know they aren't legitimate problems. It's just being quirky and I keep waiting for the light bulbs to burn out. But I have a level of comfort and trust in this beat up truck because this old gal that we've nicknamed the pastor wagon um, is... is it's reliable and we know what's going on with it. We're comfortable with it. Would I love to have something newer or nicer, or at least a truck that if someone were to pull up alongside the passenger side, I wouldn't have to do one of these, you know, or roll down the window and get up and talk across like Dukes of Hazard style? I, of course, of course. Um, you might think that I would, would jump on an opportunity for something different, but I, I know the quirks of this vehicle, right? Um, I, so I have a level of comfort and maybe even complacency that I wouldn't have with something else. And I'm not going to equate the old white truck, the pastor wagon, anything scriptural, but I'm certainly, and I'm not going to make it a metaphor for marriage because I see some of you guys and you're like, you're like an old white truck, reliable and things don't work all the time. And I know which warnings to ignore, <laughs> but I'm going to use it as a reference for anything in your life that you are so reliant upon, that you are so incredibly comfortable with that just because you have a relatively good knowledge of how it works. You just think it's okay. And you don't want, you don't need anything different. You don't need to start down a different path. And we call these habits, routines. If it's something that's negative, you might call it a rut, right? I mean, I meet with a couple of guys who have been meeting for almost 20 years now with a couple breaks for breakfast once a week. And we always order the same thing. Always, always order. It's, is it a routine or is it a rut? I don't know. Um, but I look forward to it. I look forward to the conversation. But all these things fall within our comfort zone, you know? And sometimes I'd say often God calls us out of our comfort zone. He does. There are times when a change is needed and there's times when that change is needed, we must be a part of it. And there's times when a change is needed and we must lead it. 
Moses, David, Abraham, so many of the greatest names in history and in the Bible were reluctant leaders. They all had an excuse, right? Even Paul said, I'm not an eloquent speaker, you know. Um, Abraham, I'm too old. I've got, you know, my family and my land and my people, you know. But God made them a promise that is echoed throughout Scripture in both word and in action. He didn't just say, I will do it. You can see here where it was promised. You can see here where it was done. You can see in the Bible where he made a promise to you. You can see in your life when you're looking for where it is being done. But listen to a couple of these from uh, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31.8. So we're going all the way back to the Israelites. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now keep all this in your mind, okay? Because we're going to come back to it. And we've heard this before, haven't we? You know, we know this is true, don't we? We know God is with us. We know God goes before us. But don't we seem to forget in those moments of, of trouble, in those valley moments, you know, where's God in this? Or, or we don't even think about that God is with us, that this, whatever we're going through, this loss, this challenge, this uncertainty, where could God be? Well, he's still there. In Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, we find one of God's many promises. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. Do not see what I'm doing. If we stay stuck and resist the change, the new if we, don't, if, if we don't recognize the start of something, we may miss the blessing of it. If we don't perceive it, if we don't look for it. I'm not saying God won't continue to allow the change to occur, right? God is a sovereign God and he is influenced by our prayers. Certainly prayers do matter. Prayers do change things. But know this, God will do what God will do and it will be for the good of his creation and to his glory. So when sometimes when your prayer isn't answered, Faith means I'm trusting that God still heard it because he said he would. I'm still trusting in faith that God will do something for his good will. And he has the same interest in you that you do, but he also has a whole lot more knowledge of how it's going to play out. It's great news, though. It's great news. And, and you don't, don't you want to experience that? Don't you want to be a part of, of that change at something new? That blessing. As we've talked about the past few weeks, God uses people like you. He uses people like me to accomplish his work in this world. We ask the question, does God still perform miracles? Absolutely, every day, every day. And you may have experienced one through someone else. You may be a miracle and answered prayer for someone else because of what you've done. You know, by singing happy birthday and putting a couple bucks, you may have been, made a, created a miracle by by getting a bill paid for someone who thought there was no hope. That's the kind of miracles that God performs through people like you and me every day, every day. When Jesus ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, his ministry did not end. We've talked about this. We know that he's still very active in our lives and in this world, but many of the things that he put into motion, the things he started, were given to us to continue to complete. And remember Jesus' words, this is Mark 16, 15, when he said, go. He said, go, the big great commission, go forth and make disciples. It's a big ask. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, all the world, everywhere, go everywhere. 
preach the gospel, this complete story of God's love and the opportunity that everyone has for salvation thanks to the works, teachings, and ultimately the sacrifice of Jesus. All creation, everyone, right? And, and, and there's some people that think it's not just go, but as you go. That's a, I like the way of that goes. Not, it's not about the destination, but as you go, as about you go about your day, as you go down the street, preach the gospel to all creation. During a recent Bible study, the question was asked, have you ever experienced a time when you're afraid of what may be asked of you out of faith? And, and the answer that was shared with the group was, and this was, a, this was an honest fear. He said, when I was uh, at a younger age, I was afraid that God was gonna ask me to go be a, minister, a missionary in Africa. Okay, that's an honest fear. That's an honest thing to say. It's actually, if you think about it, it's kind of tough to go, I hope God didn't ask me to do something that I'm not willing to do. And that was exactly the spirit of the question. And it was a part of a larger conversation and study. And God certainly calls us all to be missionaries, to be sent on a religious mission, to go and share the good news of the gospel. But our mission field isn't just in far reaches of the world. Our mission field begins here. It starts here. A lot of churches have a sign above their exits or maybe on the way out of the parking lot, right? Have you seen this? It says, you are now entering the mission field. What a great reminder. When you leave this place, everything is a mission. All of your work is your missionary. That is the field where God's work is to be accomplished. And what a great reminder. But I would argue that it actually includes this very room. As we have seen and heard this morning through our prayer requests, there are needs for people to be reminded of and encouraged by the gospel in this very room. Sharing the gospel doesn't mean just telling someone who hasn't heard. I mean, it certainly does. It also doesn't mean reach out to the unchurched. And the unchurched isn't a negative term. People become, you know, I've just never been to church or it's been a long time since I've been to church, right? Or to steal a word from the headlines, disenfranchised. People hurt people, right? People disappoint people. Guess what the church is made of? You remember this thing? People, right? People become frustrated with quote-unquote church because of the people, but it's the people that make it church. It's the people that also make it good. And there will be times when there's that kind of, of, of problem, concern, you know? But I also want to tell you that these are the people that we're supposed to talk to, to reach out to to love. But think about the words from Hebrews 10, 24, 6. This is, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I share this one a lot because it's a good reminder of what we're supposed to do now that you're here. Encourage each other, love each other, spur each other on, support each other. We may be high-fiving over a great job opportunity, and we may be crying on the shoulder for the loss in the same Sunday. This room is full of people and full of stories. In the first Thessalonians 5, 11, it says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Don't let up. Just a couple more scriptures, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now this is talking about accountability. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Well, that's everything. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Look, we have bad days. We have doubts. And I don't think it's, there's any shame 
Well, the, no, shame should never, you should never feel shame. Shame doesn't come from God. But there is no, I'll say shame, in questioning sometimes. How can God love me? How can God love, uh, can, can allow this to happen? How can God even make something like that crazy animal or that beautiful tree? How can that, how can all this even exist? It's okay to ask the question. Get the answers. The sin isn't asking the questions. Wouldn't you rather have a good answer? Bible says always be prepared to have an answer for the hope you have. That's not just the, in case someone else asks. It's for when you ask. You've got a lot of answers here. And if you'll remember, I, I gave a sermon and it was called an open book exam. Life is tough, but it's not cheating to look up the answers. It's not. In fact, it's encouraged. And you have resources, Ephesians. This is Paul's letter to Ephesus 4, 11 through 13. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Jesus multiplied leaders, okay? He, sent, he created those who would do his work after his, he left. And it says he did this to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. There we go. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, if you think about that end goal, we've got a long ways to go, okay? And we don't know how much longer we have to do this. But it says we keep doing this. We continue to be built up until we all reach unity in faith. That's an amazing goal. Christ wants us to be united in faith, but we can't be united on stuff that's even less important than that. So we've got a ways to go. Sometimes the change that is needed, the start of something new is us, ourselves. Sometimes I would argue more often than not, we are what needs to be changed. We can't control some of the things around us, but we can control, we can be responsible for the way we respond. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we give of our time. We give of our talents. We surrender things. And then it goes on. This is the part I want to talk about. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the change that may need to occur, the start of something new may be a change of perspective, looking at things with a kingdom perspective. Sherry and I talk about this thing often. I call it the 40-year plan. You know, I, I've got kids that have just got out of their teenage years. And, and during those times, you guys know this, you have those good years, those bad years, months, weeks, you know, hopefully it's not years. But sometimes, and I remember saying this and, and we've got four distinct personalities in our household. Some of them are all in the same person. I'm kidding. Um, but they, you know, we do. We have four distinct personalities, six actually, if you include us and then add in the dogs. Um, but we have all this in our house. And, and you're like, you know, I wish so-and-so would call me more often. I wish so-and-so would do something like that. And you're like, this is, you know, or they weren't so angry or, or, or whatever they may be on. And, and you know, and, and I remember even this with my daughter, Aubrey, who I love dearly, and she was the one I was telling you gave me the phone call. There was a period of time where I just didn't hear from her much. And I'd get so happy when I hear from her and then frustrated and go, you only call me when you need me. Does that sound familiar, God? Right? Isn't that what he says? You only call me when you need me. And, and then when I had this conversation, I, I remember that some of those periods were, were rough, but, we, but in, in the grand scheme of 40 years over a period of time, that was pretty small. But I needed to have that perspective so I don't dwell on those moments, right? 
Sometimes a change may be the course of our life that we're on, a change in a job, a, a change in a location, you know, physically moving, a, a ministry that you're part of or want to be a part of or were or need to be. And kind of related to the first, a change may be in our attitude and in our faith. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. It's from 4, 20 through 24. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. He says, since you have heard about Jesus and you have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Okay, these are perceptions. These are the thoughts of your mind. And said, let the, the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Start of something new. Is real change possible? Yes, yes. And I'm not talking about reform of, of, of things. I'm talking about change is possible, but you've got to have help. You've got to have the help of the Lord. Now, for you wives, I'm sorry that's bad news. You're never going to change them the way you want. But pray like crazy. That might get it. I don't know. Sherry, how are you doing with me? Got a little more training to go? A little bit. All right. But Paul shares a similar message in the church at Philippi 4, 6 through 8. It says, do not be anxious about anything. We've heard this. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he goes on. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, Paul he would have been a great little fine print writer, wouldn't he? I mean, he's like everything. And in case you don't know what everything means, boom, 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 boom. He lays it out. There's not a lot of wiggle room as, as you know, um, the other pastor wrote. He said, there's no wiggle room. You pray for everybody, okay? But let's unpack that scripture. It starts with one of those if-then promises. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation be thanksgiving, present your request. If you do this. If with thanksgiving and petition you give thanks. Um, and it says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. If you do this, God will do this. God will give you peace. Finally, it's, it says, whatever is pure. And it lists the things. It's a change of mindset. It's replacing the old. It's the start of something new. And it matters what our perception is. It matters what our attitude is. It matters what the condition of our heart is. And it matters that we have enough faith to be open to the start of something. Jeremiah 29, 11. If, that, if, if you couldn't tell me exactly what that is, I'll start saying it and you'll know it. For I know the plans I have for you, right? Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. When you give your life to Christ, when you surrender all of this perceived control, because that's what it is, it's perceived control. You've got very little control. Anger, worry, unrighteousness, all this baggage. When you give it to him, you start something new, new and improved, in fact. And that's you, the new and improved you. Remember, put off your old self. Be renewed. Put on the new self, Right? The psalmist writes, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Think about that. The new and improved you. Not only is it possible, it is God's plan. Our great big God has a vested interest in you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You know, that actually is written with an exclamation. Now, I know... 
biblical scholars debate whether or not there was any punctuation in the original text, but every version I read says the old is gone, comma, the new is here, exclamation. Friends, this is exciting stuff. If we refer to this call to go, to start something, the Great Commission, that's how we know it, right? I want you to think about that. And I'm circling back to something I read earlier. It says we know what mission is, right? We have a mission. We have a, a plan. We have a, a calling. But have you considered what it means that it's a commission, a commission, a co-mission? By simply adding those two letters, it adds to the meeting. It's not a sole mission. It's not an exclusive mission. You are not on this path alone. There comes a reference to the scripture. You are in partnership with God the Father. You are co on a mission with him. You are co on a mission with the son and you are co on a mission with the Holy Spirit. Each has their part in this, as do you. It is also a partnership with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Every one of us that like you desires to experience the hope that has been offered, we're on this co-mission together. God has a plan and an omnipotent, omnipresent and personal interest in you, powerful and personal. Jesus Christ goes with you and you have the love and support of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, I say that the start of something, whether it's a deeper understanding of your creator, a deeper relationship with your savior or a newfound depth of faith, the start of that something is right here, right now. Philippians 1, 6, and I'll close. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, which he's done, you're here, he's already started you on this path will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's a fantastic promise. But if you need help discovering what the next step is, what it should be, I want to hear from you. I may not be able to tell you where it is, but I can tell you who to talk to to find out. If you have trouble understanding any of these concepts, and I know sometimes they just come right to you because I'm like, I'm in a great place and I'm ready to receive this. And sometimes you're like, I don't know. I don't know about this stuff. I have doubts. I have concerns. I have questions, you know? How do I know? Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's pray. Father God, you started something. You started something when you created this world. You started something when you have empowered people along the way to share your message. Lord, you started something when you sent your son to this world. He started something when he was teaching your love and your mercy. And he certainly started something when his life ended. Lord, you've called us on this great commission to partner with you, to partner with your son, to partner with the Holy Spirit, to partner with with other believers on this message to share this great news. And not only to share it, but to experience it for ourselves. It's not just do as I say, it's do as I do. Watch what God has done for us. You, you loving, amazing, gracious Father, so powerful and so personal. Lord, I pray for your guidance this week. And Lord, I pray for this challenge that we all recognize that whatever the start of something is that you want us to be starting on, whether it's a a new and improved us, a new and improved perception, a new and improved Whatever it may be, Lord, it starts right here. And may we be changed for that calling. Amen.